Hello, listeners and viewers. Thank you all for tuning in to another session of IPA. Uh, we are back with Season 3, keeping the ball rolling. As you can tell, we're here on video. Today we have Richard Leterowitz. He's here to talk about his book, Echoes of the Ancients. This is a great conversation. This is for everyone. And please check out his book, Echoes of the Ancients. It's available on Amazon. You can get it in paperback form or in digital. So thank you all for tuning in. Welcome to IPA Sessions. Welcome to IPA Sessions, a podcast for independent artists. As always, I'm your host, Kay Jacob, and we are on video. This is the new season. We're coming at you live on video. Well, pre-record it, but we're filming it. And uh, now you can check us out on YouTube so you can meet these amazing artists and see their gorgeous faces and who they are as they discuss and talk about what they're here to talk about. And today I have a very special guest, someone who comes from the location world, like myself. He has been a location manager for over 20 years, but that's not what he's here for. What he's here for is to talk to you guys about his new book, Echoes of the Ancients. And his name is Richard Laterowitz. He is also a filmmaker, a producer of many feature films and music videos. So please welcome to the show, Richard. Say hi. Hi, thanks for having me. It's really good to be here. appreciate you uh, giving the platform to independent artists trying to get their stuff out there. Hey, that's what this is for. You know, we, we have plenty of people, especially in our business, that uh, celebrities get the platforms everywhere. So I figured <laughs> it's time to showcase the, the artists out there that are just doing their thing, living their life, and putting their artwork out there. So thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, as I mentioned, you come from the locations world. You've been doing this for a while. Uh, what's your background like? Well, um, I got a... Got out of the military, GI Bill took me to college, got a degree in mass communications, and then I got into a, a pretty competitive film school out in Orlando at University of Central Florida. Fell nice. in love with filmmaking while I was out there, and I came out to Hollywood to be the next great producer, director, writer like everyone else. <laughs> I feel you, same here. <laughs> um, that was in 1997. <laughs> nice. Uh Fell into locations work while I was trying to work my way up through the industry. I uh, really loved it. My logistics background from when I was in the military really melded well with that as a career choice. And it's freelance and I'm in the commercial world, so we're not on a project for six months. So it gave me a lot of time to work on my own stuff. Like I said, I've produced an independent horror film with a friend of mine, directed us music videos, but primarily I do location scouting and management for the commercial industry. The book is a new exploration of my artistic yeah, I was about to say, it yeah, sounds like yeah. your background is mostly film. You do a ton of film work. You're here to be the, the film guy. but My first love has always been writing. Yeah, my first love has always been writing. I mean, mass communications back in college. I was always a reader growing up. I came up on Tolkien and uh, just loved reading science fiction. I started getting into the Dune Chronicles and all the other books that you get into as you grow up and you start to discover these things. Yeah. But I never really, I just kind of went into the, the feature film world, but I love it. Um, I mean, obviously I've been in the, in the business since 1997. So the, the idea for the book has been in my head though, for since 1988, probably. Oh, wow. So this is kind of a, a baby for you. It's a, it was your pet project in a way. 
it's just an idea that's kind of sat in the back of my head. Um, and then when we got slow, we all got really slow this past spring, summer. Yeah. Because of the strike and economics and everything else. Yeah. All of a sudden I had this time and I was like, well, I can lament that I don't have any work or I can do something productive. Right. The opportunity so, finally presented itself. So I just took, took the bull by the horns and was really grateful for the time and just started writing. Well, Richard, uh, let's jump right into this, man. Tell us all about your book, uh, Echoes of the Ancients. You know, you mentioned that it's been kind of a, a, a thought and an idea in your head since, you know, the, the 90s. Uh, and you finally got to put it on pen and paper, you know, print it out there. And it's available right now. You can find it on uh, Amazon. I, I think I found it through Kindle. Uh, yep. So please tell us all about this book. What is it about? And then take us through your process of uh, how you went about creating this, making it happen. What it's about. Uh, December 31st of 1988, I was in the military. I was reporting my first command. Uh, it was a ship. As it's New Year's Eve, there was no one on board, except for a few guys that were stuck with duty. And I just reported in, just flew in from uh, from Chicago to San Diego. Had nothing else to do, so I went up to where I was going to be working, just kind of familiarize myself with my new environment. And there was a big chart laid out on a table. Um, and it was one of those topographic charts of the ocean. And there was all these mountains and valleys and uh, geological features that you can't see because they're covered with water. And I remember just looking at that and I was like, wow, we really have no idea what's under the ocean. Right. And it just kind of stuck in my head. Then I went on, did, a, did my stint in the military, got out, went to college. But that idea started leading me to start to read books uh, Graham Hancock, Randall Carlson, all the alternative history stuff, ancient civilization stuff. It was all fiction or uh, pseudoscience at that point. But the idea really intrigued me. And it just kind of, it was like in the back of my head, it just kind of grew. It just sat there. And as time passed, more and more things came out that kind of added to the story. And when the time came, and I was like, okay, you've got this really slow period. You have time. You should write. You've always said you wanted to write a novel. You've been saying this for 20 something years. <laughs> Put up or shut up. There you go. Uh, the process was, uh, I made it my job. Uh, I believe no matter what you're going to do, you have to do it. Um, I would wake up, I would go through a morning routine, coffee, little exercise, walk the dogs, whatever chores needed to be done around the house, trying to help out. And then I'd sit down and write for eight hours. Sometimes it was horrible. It was, <laughs> well, we had not a lot else going on, right? The work was pretty slow. But I was like, I'm making this my job. Five days a week, eight hours a day. I might produce nothing that day, but I'm going to sit down in front of the computer. I'm going to work. And the first couple of days was pretty miserable. Not a lot got written. And then that dam broke. And over the next four weeks, the story poured out. That's awesome. Yeah. As a writer myself, you know, I, I write uh, film scripts, you know, my fun little features and ideas and well, that I know is well, yeah. right. Yeah, and it's a completely different process, but you're right. Sometimes you're like, All right, I have this brilliant idea and you go to put it down and you're just like, uh, what do I do? <laughs> I'm not sure how to start this. Like I know what I want. Uh, and then like you said, once you get the concept going and you get that opener, it's like, it just unlocks something and you know, the, the dam breaks and it just floods out of you. So that's awesome that you got that much done in so much time. Um, how did you go about once you, you know, finalized the story, 
uh, putting your book out there? Because I'm assuming you you self-published, right? I did. Um, okay. I created an imprint. Um, as, as I've been in the industry for a long time, I have a company. I already had a production company. I already had a S Corp. I already had all the things in place that you would need. It was basically just opening up another division of the same company. So I created an imprint because uh, gatekeeping is pretty still a serious thing in the publishing world, just like it is in our industry. Yeah, of course. It's and, uh, you know, it's a business. So if you're an unknown quantity, it's really hard for somebody to take a chance on you. No disrespect to any of the uh, publishing companies out there. They all have to make a living when you're an unknown quantity. That's a really tough ask. But yeah. Amazon has kind of demarcated the market. You can put yourself out there and sell books without having anybody else involved. Um, to the same extent that like YouTube has with short films and some feature length stuff, distribution is no longer a problem. It's no longer an issue. You don't need anybody's permission to make anything anymore. You don't have to go get blessed by whomever, get the, get the funds and create your thing. You can just create your thing and put it out there for the world, which is what's pretty amazing. And that's what I do with the book. Um, I signed it to some traditional publishers. There was, there's, you can find publishers that will accept books, uh, raw manuscripts. They take It's open submissions. That's great. It's like winning the lottery, though, that you're going to get accepted that way. <laughs> and you have to know that going in. But I was willing to give it a shot because I'm, I was hoping our work was going to come back at any minute. So I didn't know that I was going to have time to, to do all the things required. Yeah. You can, I mean, in your first interview, your uh, the other author that you interviewed. Did you uh, yeah, query? Erica Page. Mm-hmm. Right. Erica said you can query an agent, try to get an agent that way. That's kind of the same thing. I just skipped the agent process and queried production companies. I read out production companies, uh, publishing companies. Okay. And just some of them said, yeah, send the script. Some of them said send a sample. Some of them on their website had criteria that they wanted to see. So you just basically – be very careful, do your research, and you can send me your, your manuscript out to publishers that will accept it. So would, would you say it's kind of like a trial and error as well uh, on your part, like finding not just them finding a fit for themselves, but you trying to find a fit that you think is the best publisher Absolutely. to represent you? You have to do your research. You have to see what that publisher company is all about. Um, I found some really good ones that I liked. They took very few submissions. They're really small independent presses. So your odds are really slim that you're going to get in there, but it was worth a try. So we put it out there to them. A couple of them responded. Most of them didn't give you any feedback because they just don't have the time. They've got, you know, reading a manuscript after, you know, two to 500 pages long per manuscript, they're, they're not going to get back to you unless they're, they're signing. Right. And I, you got to respect that. And coming from the entertainment industry, it's the same thing with everybody's a writer, everybody's a director. You go to a restaurant, everybody's got six other hats they're wearing. Yep you kind of respect that process and just keep moving forward. Um, that's the theme with this book. I just kept moving forward. Okay. So nobody picked it up. What's next. There's hybrid publishing companies out there. Um, if you have no other way to get your book out there, that's the way you can go, but they want money up front from you. It's kind of a vanity press situation. Mm, you know okay. what that is? Uh, no, please elaborate. A vanity press is, um, Basically, you pay somebody several thousand dollars to create a book for you. They charge you for the editing and the everything that goes into a book. And then at the end, they might help you put your book on Amazon or some of the other markets that are out there. But they take a huge percentage of anything you sell. Well, and it sounds um, like what you just said. It sounds like they rewrite your own book, too. Like well, they edit it. They, they take all the rights to it. Um, if For somebody that's in, never been involved in any kind of 
industry or any kind of um, business, if they're just a writer in their cabin in the woods and they have no experience putting any kind of product out there, um, that might be a route. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but it is a route to put, to get a product created. But uh, the contracts are pretty egregious that they want you to sign. Okay. I don't know if I personally would want to go that route. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, but it does exist. It's an I option. Only, yeah. Yeah. I there mean, might be someone money. out there. If there might be somebody out there who has no capital to invest in their own product, has no way to get a book out there. That is a route, um, but they won't do it for free and their fees are pretty steep. Okay. So I looked into all these and I didn't like any of them. Yeah. I'm like, I can, I looked into it. You can, it's not that hard to, to put a book together. The most difficult part about the book was editing. Uh, I think it's like 350 pages after that, that burst of creativity. Um, I cut it down to 200. That took four more months of just editing, rewriting, rewriting, rewriting. It's a lot like making a film. Um, you get right. your rough cut and then you edit and you edit and you tighten it up, you tighten it up, you tighten it up. You try the hard part's actually studio. editing. A lot of people think that it's telling the story, putting it out. No, so the story editing. part is so fun. It's easy to do yep. because you just let everything out there. And then it's like, all right, now I got to tighten it up and clean it up and make it make more sense. And that's the hard part. Exactly. You become so attached to what you've written. You become attached to these characters. You become attached to small little details that you're not sure, like, is this actually important or is this just something that I like? And so that to me, I personally find the editing process so much more difficult. It's a lot attached. more work. And yet my friend of mine had a great phrase. I'd never heard it before. Um, we were having dinner a couple weeks ago and I was, same thing, was just telling him he was surprised I had written a book and we were talking about it. And I said, the editing was the hardest. I said, oh yeah, you killed the baby. I'm like, what? It was, <laughs> it's like, you killed your baby. You had to go in there and all the things you loved, you had to take a long look at and you may love them, but will an audience love them? Do mm -hmm. they just forward your story at all? Do they forward the action at all? Is there any purpose to this? Is just something really cool you wrote? Well, if that's the case, you got to take it out. Yeah. What's necessary and what's unnecessary? That's difficult. But yeah, so you did it. You got it. You edited it down. And what was your next step? Um, I edited the book down. That took, like I said, that was four months. It took me four weeks to get the story out. It took me another four months to get it to a form where – I gave it to other people to read, people I respected, just to get their feedback. That's a great um, idea for any writer out there. I think you have to, otherwise you're you just you're in an echo chamber. Mm -hmm. So I gave it to some people I respected, got their feedback, made some more changes, um, got it to a point where I really felt comfortable that I had achieved. Still, the integrity of the story was there, but it was also in a, a digestible format. Um, the good story, good pacing. Uh, it wasn't too long, too short. Uh, as far as science fiction novels go, it's relatively short. They're usually 300 plus pages. I was about to say, it sounds like maybe a novella. Is this actually a novella or is it still technically a novel? Well, um, there's two more parts to the story. I'm working, on the, I'm working on the sequel to it now because I just love the story. So it's going to be a trilogy. Nice. Like um, any good sci-fi telling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, 20 years in the industry, you you kind of learn some, some tools that'll work across the board. <laughs> but it seemed like a natural ending point and I could have made that the end of a chapter or call that the end of book one, but I really wanted to get the story out there and just see what kind of response was happening. So I looked into different types of, there's Ingram spark. There's a draft of digital. There's a bunch of different venues to put your product out there. But for me, I was like, where, 
where have I bought all my books in the last 10, 15 years? I either walked into Barnes and Noble. That's a really hard nut to crack, as they say, to get a book into Barnes and Noble. Right, yeah. Or I bought off Amazon. Amazon has made it incredibly easy. It's probably um, the most equal opportunity distribution source that's out there that you can find. You upload a draft, you upload your cover art. They have a good quality check system. They send you a copy to look at, a physical copy to make sure that you would, you like the way it looks, and you're good to go. And then they give you a link and you send it to the world, which is how you found it. Right. Uh, and I, I love that, man. So there it is. It's out there. Echoes of the Ancients by Richard Latter. So sorry. It's okay. It's a Polish name. It's tough. It used to be Latelovich, and then Ellis <laughs> Island changed it to Laterowitz when they did their thing. My, my well, well, there you go. Richard Laterowitz. Uh, and Richard, thank you so much for uh, sharing that part of your story with us, uh, for sharing your story with us. Um, can you give us a, a brief synopsis, too, of the actual story for anyone that's interested? Like you stated, it's sci-fi, and it has a great title. The cover looks awesome, too, by the way. Yeah, a friend of mine, another gentleman who is a – he works as a site rep. He is a – contractor he's been in the art department wears many hats he's also a brilliant artist he did the art for me awesome. um that helps a lot having an artist that you can just call and say hey man i wrote this thing can you give me some great art to make an artwork and they were just in they were down for it so they That's did so it for cool. me um it's an alternate history novel it's a sci-fi novel it takes place in the younger driest period which um if if your audience doesn't know that's basically the, the, the prehistoric just before the last ice age ended um it's following it's the um, rise of the nomad civilization, right? Correct. It's yeah. at the. It's just uh, the hunter gatherer spears, atlatls, saber toothed tigers. That's the time frame we're in. It follows a, a brother and sister, but their story is paralleled with a much more advanced civilization. Oh, cool. Um, that's kind of if you're into Atlantis, if you're into all the alternate history stuff that's out there. I kind of took the prehistoric world and that world and I merged them, and I imagined random. Uh, not Randall, Car- uh, Graham Hancock series on Netflix, Ancient Apocalypse. I kind of just all these cool stories series. were all these stories were circulating. I was like, what would this look like as a coherent myth? What 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 does this story look like? Again, going back to me looking at these maps with all this landmass that's covered with water that wasn't always. It's like, what if what's out there we haven't found everything? What does that story look like, and how old is that story? And so I explored those topics. Um, basically from the point of view of a prehistoric culture and of an advanced culture that are moving side by side. Classic example, there's undiscovered or uncontacted tribes right now that still live a very Stone Age existence in our modern era. Never seen a cell phone, never seen uh, a camera, a computer. All that stuff would be magic to them if they saw it, right? It's just Mm. technology to us. Well, who's to say that that hasn't happened before? So I kind of explored that in the book nice i like that to me this is uh this is right up my alley i personally do enjoy alternative history i like that kind of sci-fi fiction um i love that kind of storytelling i'm actually a fan of those series that you mentioned like the uh the the active apocalypse i forget the title i'm sorry um but it's a really cool show that you can check out. Um, I love ancient civilizations. Uh, there's a lot of cool documentaries out there that I like to, to watch, especially that uh, Discovery Channel puts out, National Geographic has put out, where they go into these caves and they talk about like you know how them finding something as simple as a, a certain carved out you know staircase inside of a cave completely changes how we see history, where it's like they're not just simple cave people. This is 
a civilization. They, there is advanced thought. There's thinking. There's architecture. It's just we never know about this because we're slowly finding these things out. So I think that's really cool that you take what we think we know and and mess with that. I think that's really neat, man. Well, also, if something were to occur today, whether it be man-made or natural, of a global catastrophe, mm-hmm. right? In a thousand years from today, what would be left of us to show that we were here? Very little, if anything. Nothing we made is really going to last. It's all degradable. Sure. So to, if you go backwards in time, if it's kind of the same evolutionary path for technology, who's to say that in the past we haven't got to a certain point, something occurred, everything got wiped out, thousand, two thousand, three thousand years pass. Yeah. Very little evidence of that. Well, there's uh, you know, and this is just going off on the side tangent just a little bit there is a ton of missing information from the mesopotamian era yeah so there, there's so much out there like we know that electric power existed batteries existed like we know that these things existed we're just not sure how they they managed it and we're still looking into that and discovering artifacts more and more and some things that we discovered that's like oh this is a clay jar they're more than just a clay jar it's just fossilized and over time that's what it looks like but you right. dig into it you clean it you find the materials it's made up you're like this could have possibly been a conductor for some kind of electric and you're like wow like it, it blows your mind when you really look into our history and what the archaeo- uh, archaeological digs discover. It's it's really awesome to me, at least. I, I find it fascinating because I'm one of those big believers that, you know, you should know your history. You should learn from it, you know, because as they say, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. And so I find that fascinating. Those are the, the topics I explored in the book. Um, I just try to do tell a really good story with those things wrapped into them. Um, That's awesome. Because otherwise you're just it's just a it's a theoretical documentary book right you're just talking about all these ancient discoveries and there's people that do that really well already mm-hmm. um and i consume their stuff like mad i read all their books i watch all the youtube channels i watch the history channel i love all that but i haven't seen any stories except for the myths that exist in different um religions and nationalities around the world but they're they're really loose in general like the the El Dorado and Atlantis. Right. Yeah. But they're just kind of like a paragraph's worth of information. It's like, well, let's tell a story about this. And so that's what the book is. I've taken all these different facts and I've kind of imagined what they would look like in a world, how they would interact, how they worked. And then I hopefully told a really engaging story around that. Well, I'm excited to read this. You know, um, we discussed earlier that as of this recording, uh, I personally haven't had a chance to read this. Uh, but by the time this episode airs, I promise you I will have read it. And I cannot wait to dig into it, man. It sounds awesome. I'm excited about it. Um, and of course, I just like to support my uh, indie artists. So thank you so much, Richard. And, you know, you, you mentioned leaving something behind. I want to get in some questions now. Um, sure. You know, your book is completed. You've been through the whole process. You wrote it. You edited it. You marketed it. You got it out there. Go to Amazon. You can find it on Kindle. Uh, help support Richard. Check out his book, especially if you're a fan. Uh, there are links in the show notes, of course, as always. And uh, I just want to ask you throughout this process of everything, what to you was probably the biggest challenge that you had to overcome? Uh, maybe it's even something that you're still working on. I am a typically private person. So even doing this interview was a was a big hurdle for me. I have always endeavored to be behind the camera in the entertainment industry. I feel you. <laughs> I don't like but it when either. <laughs> when, you're an independent, when you're an author or an artist, though, nowadays you have to learn how to sell yourself as much as you sell anything else. People want to be engaged with you. So 
now if you, anyone wants they can go to my facebook page there's comments on the book there on there richard latero's facebook that's my only social media outlet but links in the show at the moment but having to to want to broaden that horizon is one thing doing interviews like this um was a big hurdle and also again in the writing process this like you said the story just came out then now to make it into a a book form, a more, a, not just marketable, but just a really good story, tight, concise, killing the baby. That phrase just stuck with me. That was probably the hardest part to, and to learn how to do that. Cause that's an art in itself. I mean, there's oh, people yeah. who's, that's why you want a publisher, right? Cause they have editors that do that for you. They come back and give you notes and say, get rid of all this. And they don't care how you feel about it. <laughs> yeah. If you're doing it yourself, you have to wear both hats, which can be really difficult, which is where you want readers that help you give you some kind of input. That was the hardest part. Those two things, um, putting myself out there is probably the, still the biggest challenge because I'm a very behind the scenes guy. That's why location managing is perfect for me. Well, and I appreciate you agreeing to, to do this podcast with me because as, as I've stated, as of this new season of the show, we're a lot, we're recording on video. So you really are putting yourself out there. Yeah. You're on Facebook. Everyone can see you now. Uh, sorry. You're on uh, YouTube as well. So I really appreciate you doing this, man. And that's awesome that you're, you're learning to, to grow and continue to grow because you're experienced. You've been doing this for years. This isn't new, but it's new for what you are trying to do. And I think that's awesome that like, you know, it shows that you're always learning something, especially in our industry. You're always learning something. You're always developing a craft, a new trade. It's, it's pretty awesome what we do. And it's cool how we go, well, I've done this and done this. Maybe I'll try this out and we just go for it. (laughs) So I appreciate that. That's, that's the community we're in, right? We're all really creative. Um, We all come out to do one thing or another. If if you're not learning, I think your, your mind will stagnate. Right. And uh, I, I, my my family, my my uh, parents, especially my father, are getting into the stages where they have to be cared for. And my father, God bless his soul, watched nothing but TV for you know the last twenty years. Didn't really do a lot. So I think those those synapses and those grooves that you have in in this brain that we're given, um, if you don't use them, you lose them. Yeah. So you you have just for your own health, you have to always try and be learning. Stay on your feet. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and I, I apologize. Normally, I ask this question uh, before I get into the other questions. But uh, you had mentioned marketing and you know learning how to sell yourself. I wanted to actually ask you about your finances. Did you find any financial benefit from this? Uh, I know as of this recording, the book has just now been released. We're still in the early phases. Uh, but has there been any benefit to you, or do you feel that with what you've had to put in because you self-published, you self-financed uh, that? you're looking forward to a financial gain or has there been any possibility of financial gain? Well, yeah, publishing is unique. Um, you can have a, like, like anything in the entertainment industry, you can have a flash in the pan, have something just take off and go beyond your wildest dreams. That's always a possibility. I try to be really realistic. If I could break even on my costs because that was all out of pocket, it was all savings. Um, Luckily, work came back for us. As you know, we've gotten really busy the last few months, That's so right. I was able to recoup a lot of that. But I was looking at, you know, the bank account was down to next to nothing, starting to lean very heavily on the it's spouse. Times, yeah. yeah. So, and but I was using my own money. And for me, the goal was if I could break even, then I'm successful. I'm blessed that I can say I already have. Um, in the last week or two that's been for sale, I've already break, uh, broke even and recouped my costs for putting the book out. Um, so that's great. 
but I didn't do it as a financial vehicle. Um, when I was writing, that's probably the happiest I've ever been as a professional. At the end of each day, that sense of creating something and fulfillment that you get from creating art. At the end of an eight-hour session, I was on top of the moon, just feeling amazing. Um, far better than an 18-hour day. Right. Uh, you know, starting at 3 a.m. and getting off at 11 p.m. <laughs> feeling um, accomplished. Not not... I really enjoy what we do, but it's a, it was a totally different – and the alien feeling to me, that sense of completion, of pride – and that you've created something and something that you want to share with the world. That's why I did. That's why I'm going to keep doing it. Um, it seems like the few people that I've talked to that have gotten either finished the book or gotten into it really like it. So I'll continue to write until people tell me they're, they're no longer interested. And then I'll probably still write because it, that feeling uh, of satisfaction, I, I've never, I haven't been able to find that anywhere else. And like I said, I've been, bouncing around in the entertainment industry for about 20 years and not until I started writing this book did I discover that feeling. I like that, man. I respect that, uh, that you've, you've achieved the success that you want and it sounds like the potential for financial success is possibly there. So that's good too. And you're not really worried about that so much as you're just happy that you were able to get your story out there. You were able to show what you wanted to share with others. And I think that's incredible. You did all the hard work anyway with with everything that you've done, self-publishing, writing the story, putting it out there, learning to you know kill the baby. <laughs> <laughs> you've done the hard work and you've put it out there. So you should be proud of that. And I think that's incredible, man. So congrats. That's awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks very much. Um, you know, I want to ask you now, excuse me, I have my notes. It's weird. I get caught with my notes now. Normally I'm just doing audio. <laughs> um, what's something unexpected that you had to face? You know, maybe it's something you learned in the moment. You know, you've been in this business for 20 years, as you stated, and writing has always been something that you've done, but this is writing a novel. You're writing something a little different other than a script. Uh, so you do expect a lot of things. You're, you're of a mindset to understand that there's a possibility for stuff to happen, but What's something unexpected that maybe caught you off guard that you were not anticipating? I was caught off guard, um, and this probably isn't what you'd expect, but how, with the way technology is today, how simple it was once I decided that I was going to self-publish yeah. to make it a reality. Um, when you're sitting back and you haven't written your book or you're working on your book and you're just writing, it seems like such a far stretch to get to the finished product, to hold a book in your hands, especially if you're trying to go a traditional route where you have to get an agent and get a publisher and work with editors and work with copywriters and work with all these other people to create this product. And when I discovered, and I know Amazon is the big bad evil person in the room as far as a lot of culture considers, because they are on top of the world. That's just They're natural. <laughs> right. But they started as a book company. A lot of people forget that actually. That, that's so exactly how they started. They've they've perfected that that, and I, I was really surprised and unexpectedly so about how easy it was to actually once you've done the work and you have everything that's required to create a book, it was a few clicks and it was done. Um, that isn't to say that you have to you don't want to put out something that isn't ready, but it's made publishing um, available to anyone that has an idea that can write it down. That really surprised me. I, I Once I got the book to this form, I didn't even think I was going to be able to, to do anything with it. And then when I decided I was going to have to self-publish, I was really taken back. Like, I was like, what, what, I just pressed this button and then everybody can read it? Really? That's all there is to it? That was surprising. Um, also, the uh, 
that feeling of satisfaction at the end of each writing day, that was a totally new experience for me. Um, I was writing because the story was in my head and I just had to get it out. But the impetus to keep writing was chasing that feeling. That was amazing. Um, there's nothing like creating art and then putting it out to the world. There's a, there's a sense there that I, it's really hard for me to put into words, but it fills your spirit up. <laughs> yeah, I, I could bet, man. Like, I, I think it's fascinating that for once I hear an artist say, yeah, something unexpected was how easy it ended up being in the end, especially because of all the hard really work you've gone through. Yeah. I think I anticipate, I anticipated it to be really difficult. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised when it was not, when things actually, I thought for sure there'd be issues with the hardware, with all the technical things with the, I mean, just formatting a book, um, Erica on your last interview said just, Formatting a book is a whole art in itself, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. so you've got a manuscript, but now it needs to be in the form of a book. That's you got to make a, it all fit, paragraph it. Right, yeah, and it's got to fit on the page, and there's all these different guidelines to go by. But the internet and our wonderful technology has made, if you want to learn anything, no matter what it is, if you take some time, you can learn it. You can figure it out. You can do it. Uh, exactly. Uh, and, you know, I – I didn't even. I don't. I don't know if we stated this, but is your book actually available in paperback form it right is. now? Actually, yeah. Yeah, please show us. Hey, look at that. Okay, yep. excellent. Paperback form. It's it fits in a backpack. It's perfect for a a, a stocking for Christmas if you want to put it in somebody's stocking. Yeah, it's That's in right. paperback and it's in Kindle. And if you've got a Kindle subscription, I think it's free. Okay. I well, I do. I'll have to look into that. But I might just get it in paperback because, like I say, I like to support. That's what I did for Erica. That's what I'll do for you. But that's me. Personally, I just hope everyone gets a chance to go out there and read your book because it sounds really fun. And speaking of reading your book, I want to ask you now another fun, tough question. What uh, what would you say has been a hard reality that you've had to deal with? You know, it might be something discouraging that you've had to push through, uh, but it's just it's a fact of life. There's nothing you can do about it. You cannot change it. It is what it is. You just have to work with it time the toughest of realities (laughs) the only reason i was able to create the book is because we all stopped working because of the strikes the the economic downturn i went from working five days a week three four weeks a month almost you know full time as far as i was concerned to zero which was the first time in like 20 years that it happened right that was a harsh reality the only thing you own is your time um, and then having to, to take some discipline to make use of that time to be productive. That, that was, uh, that took, that took some willpower, um, because I wanted to make it a job. I knew that if I, if you, if I had tried to write in the past and tried to do it while we're working and you know, our, our work schedules were, we're working 12, 18 hours a day all the time. So all the time. if you try and then write something after an 18 hour day, you'll write something. Odds are it's not going to be that qualitative. So for the, like for this next book, I'll probably have to forego some portion of work because I really want to do it. And that's going to be a financial sacrifice. Yeah. The reality of that and knowing how this process works now, I want to write the next part of the book. I'm going to have to carve out from X to Y. I'll probably have to, I freelance. We all do. I'll probably have to pass on some work to get that project done. And that's, that's a tough reality. It's a tough pill to swallow because you're not making any money if you're not going to work in our industry. 
if you're like me, it's sometimes you uh, you plan out your vacation time. We're like, all right, I've worked for the last six months, and I had a week off here and there, but like now it's time to plan. Like I'm gonna take this next two weeks off solid, and like that's gonna be my vacation time. But really, it's it's our creative time. It's where we're yeah. gonna dedicate the time we need for for me getting this podcast together editing everything getting it ready for video format doing my writing for my scripts and my other film projects with my friends uh, and of course my family time that's another part of it too so you're absolutely right a very very tough reality is time time to create is, art, you is need time. the worst <laughs> yeah, to create art you need time and you have to decide what that time's worth that was that was the big uh reality check for me it was like if i want to write i may not be able to do X, Y, and Z because I'm going to have to sacrifice time to achieve that goal. Um, yeah. Before it was, there was always work. We just kept going and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But when you, when you stop and you take weeks off at a time, there's also the worry of, well, you know, will, another, will that call come in afterwards as because we freelance. And of course it always does, but that was a harsh reality to accept. And right. now I had that I have accepted because I'm about to probably in February, I work in commercials okay. after the Super Bowl ads are done. We tend to get really slow in the spring anyway. So I've kind of made that my, that's my time to sit down and start really hammering out a manuscript. Well, there you go. And you know, I, uh, I like the, uh, I like the strategy that you applied for when you first started writing this, uh, you found a way to organize. And like you said, you treated it like a job. You, you dedicated that time. You put that time aside because you could afford that time during our strike. Uh, and I look forward to seeing how you organize and strategize uh, when there's not a strike and there's actually just some, a little bit of downtime between work. So maybe you may be back for a whole different interview uh, the next time around for part two. I'm excited, man. <laughs> but uh, I do appreciate you sharing that. And yes, a hard reality is time for sure. Uh, you know, I want to ask you now about some good stuff. I want to know for you, what has been the most valuable takeaway that you've learned from your experience? You know, something that has helped you grow and improve as an artist, as a filmmaker, as a writer. Specifically with this book, you have to do what you love. If you don't, you're you're cheating yourself. I didn't realize that. I mean, I there was times when I was out on a set, um, when I was working on some of the music videos I directed where I was creating a beautiful shot. I really like that. Or when I was helping my friend produce his independent film and we came out with that great scene, that high you get after you know you've just done a really good scene. You have to do what you love and get that. Because if you don't, if you're if you're just doing something that you're kind of not into, you're cheating yourself. I'm uh, 54 now. Uh, about five years ago or so, I started doing the math. And I realized I probably have more sun sunrises behind me than I have in front of me. It's a very sobering fact and you only have so much time. Um, you have to pursue what you love. Or what, what are you doing? That's the biggest in this project. I've known that for a long time, but it's never really sunk in until I worked on this project. When I did this book, four or five months of no work. And I was deliriously happy at the end of every day. Because I was doing something I love. And that is the biggest takeaway is that you have to pursue whatever that is that makes you that happy. You have to be happy. You only have so much time. Make good use of it. Be happy because it's a really hard thing to do anyway. I think I'm a bit jealous. It sounds to me like you found true gratification. Yeah. 
Um, like you generally found something that you're extremely grateful for because you, you achieved it on your own. You did it. And it's something that you have been working on for so long. And, you know, as you said, you, you feel like you have a different perspective on, on your, your situation on time, on life in general. And it's like, all right, this is something I'm very proud of. And it ranks up there with the other moments you've had in your creative works, like with filmmaking. So I, I'm a little jealous, man. That's awesome. Like, congrats. I'm like, sure to have that gratification. Have- at the end of every podcast, I'm sure you, you must have some sense of that. I mean, you, you, I you share clearly, it. <laughs> yeah. You, you clearly love what you do. Um, and you, you seem to do really well. It's very professional. So I'm sure well, thank if, you. as you put each episode up, there's not, and you're leaving something that will be there forever. As long as there's an internet, it's there. Right. Until the satellites get wiped out, right. you can tune in. <laughs> right. So there's, there's a great satisfaction, I think, in leaving something for others too. Um, and with the book, as long as Amazon's up, it's there. Right. So you got that paperback. So as long as you got an attic and a room full of dust, someone's going to find yeah. it. It'll, it'll so survive. <laughs> there's there's a great satisfaction in leaving a story for someone else to find as well. I think that's the magic of stories too, man. That's the mat. That's that tradition. Uh, that's, that's human nature. You know, uh, someone who study history uh, as you have, we, we have that oral tradition, like stories have been since the beginning of civilization, since language, we have always passed on stories. It's something that we have continued to do. And now in our age, it's just a new format, whether it's this podcast, it's uh, a book, it's video, it's a movie, it's a music video, like it's digital age. But like that, that is a part of the human spirit is storytelling in my humble opinion. So congrats. You've left something behind as well. <laughs> uh, I want to move this along. And, uh, you know, we had mentioned the unexpected, but now I want to ask you, what did you expect? What did you want from this book? I expected it to be a lot longer, honestly. Um, <laughs> like I said, when I first wrote it, it was like 350 pages long. It was your traditional science fiction story length. I expected it to take me a lot longer to write the story. But like I said, the first couple of days, it was really rough. But that now it's different. I don't know if the next one will flow as well. Because I've been thinking about this in some form or fashion since 1988. So all the all the bits and pieces have been floating around in my head for a long time. So once I was able to sit down and actually start putting them on paper, they just kind of came out. And I think they've been gelling it for a long time. The next series, I'm in the same place. I didn't th- I didn't give everything in that first book. Um, a lot of those ideas are still bouncing around, but yeah. I don't see me not writing now. I will. I think I'm always going to be producing material. So once I finish this story, which is a three book piece, that next thing I write, that'll be a totally different experience because it won't be something I've been thinking about for the last twenty years. It'll probably be something in incredibly organic and from a different place that that writing process will probably be very different um it's it's a unique thing to to create something from whole cloth and and bring it into the physical whether you're painting or writing or creating a film you're taking a thought and then you, you're making it physical it's only right. in a way i always, I always it's kind of magic it is magic. You're, Absolutely. You're taking, yeah, you're taking something from your thought process, and now it's physically here. Here it is. I've, this is the thing that I've made. Um, that process, I think, is what defines us as artists. Being able to do that. I I don't think I could uh, agree more. <laughs> uh, you know, and I I like what you're saying too because uh, it is 
it is magic. It is again, it's that you you take something that's in here that no one knows about and then you're able to just put it out there and show to them. Be like, this is what I was talking about. You can see it now. It's in your hands. You can hold my book. You can read it now. You can see it for yourself. And it gives them a little bit of you. Um, Erica stated it as an author, you know, you do tend to write a little bit of yourself into these stories. You can't help but to do that. I know for me, it's something I do with my film scripts, even my weird, obscure, out there, silly stuff. It's like, that's still, that's me. That's part of me. And I feel like with your book, you've put a little piece of yourself in there too. So that's another bit of magic that you get to share with everyone is they're getting to see a bit of you. They get to see Richard. I think that's cool, man. We only have our experiences, right? Exactly. That's that's so yeah. So your stories are going to draw from that. Absolutely, you have to put. I think you have to put yourself into your into your work, or you're you're not being truthful. Yeah. There's always a degree, whether even if it's in complete fiction, um, those elements of truth have to ring through. Otherwise, people will put it down. People have a really strong sense of um, when they're they're being. Uh, I'm not sure the right term to use not pandered to but when they're being played when there's there's no truth to the work people yeah. can sense that and they put the book down they stop watching the show they stop listening to the music when it feels it's not ringing true almost like it's a manipulation where it's like it feels That's forced it. like they it want you to think this, and it's like well don't don't push me in that direction like i want to absorb it not be shoved in, upon <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. I think pandering is kind of the word, but it's something a little bit stronger than that too. <laughs> um, you know, and I want to ask you now, uh, what's what's been your drive for all of this, man? What motivates you to do what you do? The the first motivator was, of course, all of a sudden I had this huge swath of time. It's it's always been something I wanted to do. I've always wanted to be a novelist. I've always wanted to write novels. Back when I was in junior college, I got a mass communications degree. I took a couple creative writing courses. Went into filmmaking. <laughs> I took strange paths all the time, but they always circled me back to the same place. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, I never had the time to sit down and, and carve a book out. And I didn't realize the amount of time that it takes. If you want to write, write. But it's a full-time commitment, whether you do it eight hours after your 12-hour shift or you get up early and right before you go to work, or if you're in, you're not in our crazy world, you have a normal job, a nine to five and you come home from five to 10 and you write, it's like anything else. You have to commit to it. Um, so I intend to now be committed as a writer, which is new. That's a, that's a brand new thought process for me because a year and a half ago, that was just kind of a, Oh, one day I'll write a novel. One day I'll write a story. It's one of those things. And now it's a reality. Now not only is it a reality, but book one and book two and book three will be coming. I think I've got book two slated to be out this time next year. Yeah, You may be writing fiction, man, but it's a fact that you're a writer now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. That's so cool. You know, and I just want to wrap this up with asking you, um, really, actually, I just want a statement from you. Is there any advice that you would like to give to future writers out there, to anyone looking to do what you do? Just do it. Um, of course, that's the theme of this show, I mean, man. <laughs> right? You can make up a thousand excuses. Um, you can procrastinate. You can find all the reasons not to create your art. But you're cheating yourself and you're cheating the world because whatever story it is you want to tell, there's somebody that wants to read it, somebody that wants to relate to it. You've got, you've, if you've been on the planet for any length of time, you've learned something and somebody can learn something from your stories. 
they may be able to relate to it. They may be able to feel an emotional response to it, but you have to do it. Stop making excuses. I made them for 30 years. I'm a king of excuses as far as writing and not doing it. <laughs> you just have to do it. Sit down and begin. And after that, the process will take hold. If you're a writer, you'll write. Yeah, absolutely. Just do it. Um, I, I really appreciate you, man, coming on today, sharing your journey with us, taking us through everything that you've been through, you know, giving us a bit of history on who you are and, and where you come from and how you're this filmmaker and you work in the film industry. And yet you've decided to carve a path as a, as a novelist to go out there and write. And for all you guys out there listening and for you guys watching, you know, do yourself a favor. Check out his book. Echoes of the Ancients. Uh, it's a real fantastic read. I'm excited to read it. And I promise you by the time this episode airs, I will have read it and I'll give a fantastic review for it. Uh, and that's another thing too, guys, uh, especially for self-published folks. If you are reading this for free on Kindle, the, the, the best thing you can do for Richard is to leave him a review. Good or bad, leave a review. Every bit really does help. So, and Richard, I just want to ask you, man, is there anything else that you would like to add? Anything else you'd like to say? And of course, please promote yourself again, put yourself out there and where can everyone find this book and how can they get a hold of the paper copy if they want to hold it in their hands? It's on Amazon. Uh, that's the, that's where I primarily released the book. You can get the paperback. Uh, you can go into Amazon and just search echoes of the ancients, Richard Letterowitz. There's actually like three or four books with that title. Oh, and I pulled my <laughs> copyright. I didn't know that, but it was already done. Um, but it's a really good title, so I don't mind sharing, you uh, but you want to, the key is to, uh, Google it with my name, Richard Letterowitz. It's very unique. No one else will have that name in a book up there. So you can get it on Amazon. You can order it by paperback, Kindle, or you can read it for free if you have the Kindle subscription. And you Other can go to that, the show notes. We'll have a link in the show notes for you guys as well. I just want to really thank you for having me on. Um, really love that you're supporting independent artists. There's a lot of us out here. Everybody wears six hats, um, and one, <laughs> yeah, or, one or two of them are, are where their heart lies. Um, and it's really nice to have a platform for people to go to. Well, thank so you, thank man. you very much. It. Of course, I, I loved having you on here. Um, I, I love to support and encourage any artists because, you know, you sharing your story. I've stated this in other episodes. It, it helps me. Uh, I believe in sharing in that success. If I see someone being successful at what they do, it makes me feel that I too can be successful at what I do because you went out there and wrote it. You explained to us, yes, it's a hard process. It's, it's something that you put off, but in the end, if you just do it, you can do it. And that right there is what makes me feel good is hearing you guys share your stories of how you do this and how you go about it. And it makes me go, all right, if they can do it, I can do it. And that's what I want the listeners out there. I want the viewers out there. I want you guys to know that if Richard can do it, you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Absolutely. So please just do it. <laughs> uh, thank you again, Richard. And uh, until the next time, everyone, just uh, stay golden. Thanks for Thanks for tuning in, and if you like what you heard, please rate and review, like and subscribe, every little bit helps. And as always, the theme music of the show is provided by The Erica Page, and our brand new graphic designs are all thanks to Quality Artworks. Links are in the show notes, go support these amazing indie artists just like they support IPA sessions. And of course, please follow us on social media, we have Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, that's at IPA Sessions podcast and if you or someone you know is an independent artist looking to promote their work or just share their story with us please hit me up at ipa sessions podcast at gmail.com thanks again everyone and i hope you're able to find some inspirations for practical applications and entertainment